Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd. Today is day 45 of the Omer count. We are quickly counting down to the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, which falls on Sunday, May 28th. What is the meaning and significance of Shavuot or Pentecost? Shavuot is considered the conclusion of the celebration of Passover, especially since the two festivals are connected by the counting of the Omer like a daisy chain connecting them together. Passover isn't really over until we get to Shavuot. Shavuot is a 50-day count, as it is written in Deuteronomy 23, 15, and 16. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf for the wave offering. It shall be seven full weeks. Until the other day after the seventeenth Sabbath, you shall count fifty days. The Israelites traveled 46 days from their Egyptian Passover exodus to the desert of Sinai. Then they were instructed in Exodus 19, verses 10 and 11, the following. And Yahweh said to Moses, Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, that they may wash their robes and be ready for the third day. For on the third day Yahweh will come down before all the people to Mount Sinai. We include these three days together with the 46 days coming to 49 days. On the 50th day, which was the first Shavuot feast, also called Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, which is the covenant agreement mentioned earlier. Yahweh handed over the covenant conditions, or also the constitution of his kingdom, to his people on Shavuot, but he also established his kingdom with them as it is written in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for a possession, that you should proclaim the benefits of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Shavuot means not only that Yahweh wanted to dwell with his people, but even in them, as it is written in Exodus 25, verse 8. And they shall make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. Think about it. It was on Shavuot that God gave the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets to the children of Israel. Sadly, they could not receive them or keep them because their hearts were made of stone. They broke the covenant with the golden calf incident and broke God's heart. But then God makes a new covenant with the children of Israel, as it is written in Jeremiah 31, 31 31-33. 
Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law, my Torah, in their inward parts and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. How did the Lord fulfill this prophecy and promise? After Yeshua resurrected, He poured out His Holy Spirit to the early believers as they waited upon Him in the upper room. When did the promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit come? Not just on any random day, but on Shavuot, or Pentecost, fifty days after Yeshua kept Passover for the last time with His disciples. As we get ready for Shavuot, let's ask the Holy Spirit to move the scriptures from the pages of our Bibles and put them inside of us, writing His words upon our hearts. And let's ask Him for a fresh, new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shavuot, and it means Feast of Weeks. Exodus 19, 1-23 On the third new moon after the Israelites had gone forth from the land of Egypt, on that very day they entered the wilderness of Sinai. Having journeyed from Rephidim, they entered the wilderness of Sinai and encamped in the wilderness. Israel encamped there in front of the mountain. And Moses went up to Hashem. Hashem called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob, and declare to the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Now then, If you will obey me faithfully and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Indeed, all the earth is mine, but you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. Moses came and summoned the elders of the people and put them before all that Hashem had commanded him. All the people answered as one, All that Hashem has spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the people's words to Hashem. And Hashem said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, in order that the people may hear when I speak with you, and so trust you ever after. Then Moses reported the people's words to Hashem. And Hashem said to Moses, Go to the people, and warn them to stay pure today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day Hashem will shut down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. You shall set boundaries for the people round about, saying, Beware of going up the mountain or touching the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be either stoned or shot. 
beast or man he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. Moses came down from the mountain to the people and warned the people to stay pure, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the third day, as morning dawned, there was thunder and lightning and a dense cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud blast of the shofar. And all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp toward Hashem, and they took their places at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, for Hashem had come down upon it in fire. The smoke rose like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled violently. The blare of the shofar grew louder and louder. As Moses spoke, Hashem answered him in thunder. Hashem came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and Hashem called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Hashem said to Moses, Go down, warn the people not to break through to Hashem to gaze, lest many of them perish. The Kohanim also who come near Hashem must stay pure, lest Hashem break out against them. But Moses said to Hashem, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set boundaries about the mountain and sanctify it. 2 Samuel 2, 12-3-39 Once Abner, son of Ner, and the soldiers of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, marched out from Mahanaim to Gibbon, and Joab, son of Zeruiah, and the soldiers of David also came out. They confronted one another at the pool of Gibbon. One group sat on one side of the pool, and the other group on the other side of the pool. Abner said to Joab, Let the young men come forward and sport before us. Yes, let them, Joab answered. They came forward and were counted off, twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and twelve of David's soldiers. Each one grasped his opponent's head and thrust his dagger into his opponent's side. Thus they fell together. That place, which is in Gibbon, is called Helkath Hazurim. A fierce battle ensued that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were routed by David's soldiers. The three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Asael. Asael was swift of foot, like a gazelle in the open field. And Asael ran after Abner, swerving neither right nor left in his pursuit of Abner. Abner looked back and shouted, Is that you, Asael? Yes, it is, he called back. Abner said to him, Turn to the right or to the left and seize one of our boys and strip off his tunic. But Asael would not leave off. Abner again begged Asael, Stop pursuing me, or I'll have to strike you down. How will I look to your brother Joab in the face? When he refused to desist, Abner struck him in the belly with the backward thrust of his spear, and the spear protruded from his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And all who came to the place where Asael fell and died halted. But Joab and Abishai continued to pursue Abner. 
and the sun was setting as they reached the hill of Amma, which faces Gia on the road to the wilderness of Gibbon. The Benjamites rallied behind Abner, forming a single company, and they took up a position on the top of a hill. Abner then called out to Joab, Must the sword devour forever? You know how bitterly it's going to end. How long will you delay ordering your troops to stop the pursuit of their kinsmen? And Joab replied, As Hashem lives, if you hadn't spoken up, the troops would have given up the pursuit of their kinsmen only the next morning. Joab then sounded the shofar, and all the troops halted. They ceased their pursuit of Israel and stopped the fighting. Abner and his men marched through the Arabah all that night, and after crossing the Jordan, they marched through all of Bithron until they came to Mahanaim. After Joab gave up the pursuit of Abner, he assembled all the troops and found nineteen of David's soldiers missing, besides Asael. David's soldiers, on the other hand, defeated the Benjamites and the men under Abner and killed 360 men. They bore Asael away and buried him in his father's tomb in Bet-Lechem. Then Joab and his men marched all night, and day broke upon them in Hebron. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David was long drawn out, but David kept growing stronger, while the house of Saul grew weaker. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam of Israel. His second was Chiliab by Abigail, wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third was Absalom, son of Makkah, daughter of King Talmai of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, son of Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah, son of Abital. And the sixth was Ithrim, by David's wife Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. During the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner supported the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine named Rizpah, daughter of Aiah. And Ishbotheth said to Abner, Why have you lain with my father's concubine? Abner was very upset by what Ishbosheth said, and he replied, Am I a dog's head from Yehuda? Here I have been loyally serving the house of your father Saul and his kinsfolk and friends, and I have not betrayed you into the hands of David. Yet this day you reproach me over a woman. May Hashem do thus and more to Abner if I do not do for David as Hashem swore to him, to transfer the kingship from the house of Saul and to establish the throne of David over Israel and Yehuda from Dan to Beersheba. Ishbosheth could say nothing more in reply to Abner because he was afraid of him. Abner immediately sent messengers to David, saying, To whom shall the land belong? And to say further, Make a pact with me, and I will help you and bring all Israel over to your side. He replied, Good, I will make a pact with you, but I make one demand upon you. Do not appear before me unless you bring Michelle, daughter of Saul, when you come back before me. David also sent messengers to Ishbosheth, son of Saul, to say, Give me my wife Michelle. 
for whom I prayed the bri- paid the bride price of one hundred Philistine foreskins. So Ishbosheth sent and had her taken away from her husband, Paltiel, son of Laish. Her husband walked with her as far as Bahurim, weeping as he followed her. And then Abner ordered him to turn back, and he went back. Abner had conferred with the elders of Israel, saying, You have wanted David to be king over you all along. Now act, for Hashem has said concerning David, I will deliver my people Israel from the hands of the Philistines and all its other enemies through my servant David. Abner also talked with the Benjamites, and then Abner went and informed David in Hebron of all the wishes of Israel and of the whole house of Benjamin. When Abner came to David in Hebron, accompanied by twenty men, David made a feast for Abner and the men with him. Abner said to David, Now I will go and rally all Israel to your majesty. They will make a pact with you, and you can reign over all that your heart desires. And David dismissed Abner, who went away unharmed. Just then David's soldiers and Joab returned from a raid, bringing much plunder with them. Abner was no longer with David in Hebron, for he had been dismissed and had gone away unharmed. When Joab and the whole force with him arrived, Joab was told that Abner, son of Ner, had come to the king and had been dismissed by him and had gone away unharmed. Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Here Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he has gotten away. Don't you know that Abner, son of Ner, came only to deceive you, to learn your comings and goings, and to find out all that you are planning? Joab left David and sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sirah, but David knew nothing about it. When Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside within the gate to talk to him privately, and there he struck him in the belly. Thus Abner died for shedding the blood of Asael, Joab's brother. Afterward, when David heard of it, he said, Both I and my kingdom are forever innocent before God of shedding the blood of Abner, son of Ner. May the guilt fall upon the head of Joab and all his father's house. May the house of Joab never be without someone suffering from a discharge or an eruption or a male who handles the spindle, or one slain by the sword, or one lacking bread. Now Joab and his brother Abishai had killed Abner because he had killed their brother Asael during the battle at Gibbon. David then ordered Joab and all the troops with him to rend their clothes, gird on sackcloth, and make lament before Abner. And King David himself walked behind the bier. And so they buried Abner at Hebron, The king wept aloud by Abner's grave, and all the troops wept. And the king intoned this dirge over Abner. Should Abner have died the death of a churl? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not put in fetters, but you fell as one falls before treacherous men. And all the troops continued to weep over him. All the troops came to urge David to eat something while it was still day. But David swore, May Hashem do thus to me and more if I eat bread or anything else before sundown. All the troops took note of it and approved, just as all the troops approved everything else the king did. That day 
All the troops and all Israel knew that it was not by the king's will that Abner, son of Ner, was killed. And the king said to the soldiers, You well know that a prince, a great man in Israel, has fallen this day, and today I am weak, even though anointed king. Those men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too savage for me. May Hashem requite the wicked for their wickedness. John 13, 1-30 Now before the feast of the Passover, when Yeshua knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Yeshua, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then came he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Yeshua answered and said to him, What I do you know not now, but you shall know hereafter. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Yeshua answered him, If I wash you not, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Yeshua said to him, He that is washed needs not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken their garments and was set down again, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled, he that eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, before it comes, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receives whomsoever I send, receives me, and he that receives me, receives him that sent me. When Yeshua had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Yeshua's bosom one of his disciples, whom Yeshua loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be 
of whom he spoke. He then, lying on Yeshua's breast, said to him, Lord, who is it? Yeshua answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop, and when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And then said Yeshua unto him, What you do, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spoke this to him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Yeshua had said to him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Psalm 119, 1-16 Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the Torah of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed unto according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you, O let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, Teach me your statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in your precepts and have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Proverbs 15:29 and 30 The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones fat. I want to speak to you today from our reading from John chapter 13. And in this chapter, we see a scene being painted before us of the final Last Supper that Yeshua kept with his disciples. And it was the Passover Supper, the Passover Seder that they were keeping. And he approaches them and has them remove their shoes and he washes their feet. Now, just for a moment, put yourself there in that place. You're there. You're one of the disciples, and now the master of the universe is washing your feet. I think I would just be a basket case of total tears. Have you ever had your feet washed? It's very humbling. 
It's very powerful. The Spirit of God came down in a powerful way. There was some quiet background music when I experienced this, and a fellow sister in Christ washed my feet. And uh, I'll never forget it, because I am ever the servant, and I always like to serve others. And, And it's really sometimes hard for me to sit still and let someone serve me. And that's exactly what Yeshua did. He was modeling and demonstrating for them, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be a servant of all. And that's exactly what he did. He served them in washing their feet. Now, back in that day, people walked in sandals in in the desert regions, and their feet would get filthy and dirty from all the dust and the dirt. And when they would come in, they'd take their sandals off, and the servant of the house would wash their feet. And this was considered one of the lowest tasks. It would be like today, the equivalent of, I'm assigning you to go scrub the toilet. And so it was a very lowly task. And yet this is what Yeshua did. Again, picture yourself there. Can you imagine what it would be like to have Yeshua wash your feet? What would your reaction be? I think I would just be a puddle of tears. Anyway, Peter's reaction was, Lord, no, 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 you shouldn't wash my feet. And Yeshua said, well, if you don't let me do this, you'll have no part of me. And then, of course, Peter, being as impetuous and full of passion and full of life and emotion that he was, he said, oh, well, then don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head also. And Yeshua's answer was, well, no, that's not necessary. And what what was he getting at in his reply to Peter? He said, He that is washed needs not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. He, there he's hinting at Judas Iscariot in their midst. So basically, I think how... Where we're going with that is what he was saying was when you first get saved and you ask Christ into your heart for the first time, that's when you need a total cleansing. That's when you need to be immersed 100% all the way in the water. And why we often follow up our initial salvation with a baptism, a full immersion in a, a baptismal or a river and, and, and it's a picture, it's an outward picture of something that has already occurred in the heart, that we're baptized 100% into Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he cleans us from the inside out. And reading the word is like taking a spiritual shower. We are washed with the word. We are standing under the shower of heaven, and it cleanses us from the inside out. So what Peter or what Yeshua was saying to Peter is, you know, after you've gotten saved, you know, you don't need to go and do it all over again. Let's just do your feet. So what happens is, as we go along in our faith journey, in our walk, there are times when we, we mess up, we sin, we fail. And so... 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's our foot washing. So when we make a mistake, when we sin, we come back to the cross. We confess it. We ask for forgiveness. We repent, and he will cleanse us. I love his words, Yeshua, what he said, verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So Yeshua is demonstrating tremendous humility. He's saying, I'm not greater than the one who sent me. The one who sent me is the Father in heaven, and I am his servant. And I am your master, but here I am, and I'm serving you, so go and do likewise. And so that is something we need to keep as a principle in the forefront of our mind in all that we do. When we are serving, when we're doing any kind of ministry through your church fellowship or outwardly uh, through outreach and evangelism in trying to shine the gospel, the good news into the lives of those around us, we are to be a servant. But with the caveat, remember Martha and Mary? Martha was busy with many tasks. And when Yeshua came to visit, Mary sat down at his feet and listened. And Martha was a little bit resentful and said, Lord, how come she's just sitting there doing nothing and I'm doing all the work here? And Yeshua said, Martha, Martha, you're so busy with all these tasks. Mary has chosen the better thing. So, yes, we are to be servants, and there are times when we need to be still and quiet and sit at the feet of the Master. How do we do this? How I do it, it's when I have my quiet time with the Lord, my secret place time with Him. I call it date night with Jesus, date night with Yeshua. And whether you do it in the morning, the evening, whether you're a morning person or a night owl, you choose your best time. If you're not a night person, don't do it at night because you'll fall asleep. If you're not a morning person, don't choose the morning because you're not going to give them your best. Give them your best time and have that secret, secret place time with him. That's how we sit at his feet. May you be blessed. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekah Adonai Vishmerekah Adonai Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anav Eleka Vayaseh Leka 
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.